Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, good morning. My name is Eric. I'm the Life Center pastor here at, at River Life, and uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to be able to speak with you today. I just want to take a quick poll. All right, it's a prayer poll. Raise your hand if at some point during the week you prayed about something. Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. What, uh, raise your hand if you prayed about something to do with your work or your job. Okay. Raise your hand if you prayed about something to do with your family. Raise your hand if you prayed for supernatural weight loss. Oh, that's just me, sorry, that was just me. Um, You know, we often pray about so many different things, don't we? I mean, when I asked you to raise your hand if you prayed at some point this week, and I don't know if that was just saying the blessing before you ate a meal or whether you spent uh, hours in intercession. I don't know that, but just about every single hand, I couldn't see a hand not raised in here. We, so prayer is something that's important for us, right? Um, you know, most of the time I, I get to talk today about prayer and from praying from God's presence. Now, usually when we talk about prayer, um, it's usually about uh, prayer is really important. You should do it. <laughs> or we might talk about way, how do you pray? or those sorts of things. But today, I'm gonna talk about something a little bit different. As I say, I wanna talk about praying from God's presence. And I I wanna talk about something that I call heavenly prayer. Now, heavenly prayer is a little bit different from your just run-of-the-mill normal prayers that we pray. If you remember last week, uh, Pastor Joe gave a message and when he opened up, he read two words, one from uh, Pastor Rick Benson and one from from John. And, those words were just really, really powerful. And I've heard them many times, and every time I hear them, they stir me, and they excite me. But you know, the, the message that's consistent in both of those is that worship and prayer are essential to where God is taking us as a church. That we have to prioritize our worship and our prayer. And it's about that intimacy in prayer and worship that is is gonna be the key and be the foundation that leads us in our next steps into the future. And to be honest, there have been faithful prayer warriors throughout the entire life of this church. So many prayers have been prayed that we have no idea about because they've been behind closed doors, they've been in prayer closets, they've been in places not up here on the stage, not in front of everyone, but down on their knees in places just praying for God to move in the midst of our people, in the midst of our city. And I really believe today we're sitting in such a beautiful place. This is a blessing. This is part of answers of prayers that people have been praying for years and years and years and years and years. When you hear those testimonies today, that's part of the result of people praying faithful prayers. And that's a bit of what I wanna talk about today. So I, I said, Heavenly prayer. What do I mean by heavenly prayer? I think heavenly prayer is a prayer that is aligned with and in agreement with heaven. 
It is a prayer that declares, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Now when I say heaven, I'm not talking about this place in the clouds where angels play little harps and they sit you know, together. I'm talking about, when I talk about heavenly prayer, what I mean is heaven is that place where God's presence is, where his manifest presence is, where God reigns. It's where he sits on his throne. It's that place of, of where God uh, operates and lives. And you see, heavenly prayer is the type of prayer that seeks to know God's heart, to agree with it, and to declare it. And there's three, ty- three parts to that. First, we have to know, know God. There's an intimacy part to heavenly prayer. And then there's an agreement to go, yes, I'm going to align myself, God, with you. And then there's a third piece where we step into action in alignment with that, that prayer and with, with God's purposes. You know, I just took a poll, and as I said, everybody's arms went up when I said, have you prayed about something this week? And, you know, the area of prayer is, is a part of, of what I do in my job. And I have such a heart to see our church become a church that has a, what I would call a culture of prayer. We're getting closer. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I believe we're starting to take steps that way. But a, but a place where prayer is our priority, where we pray first. And as I say, you raised your hand. You said, I've been praying this week. We all agree that prayer is so important. But you know, I know by my own personal experience and I know from conversations, we do not intentionally pray as often as we really want to. Or we don't pray even as intentionally as we want to. But we do know that prayer is very important. See, to do heavenly prayer, our intention has to be different. You know, we have a vision statement. You hear John quote it quite often up here, right? We are a family. I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. A family <laughs> embracing the Father's presence, releasing uh, empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. Is that okay? All right, there you go. Now, you might say that, that sounds like a nice little phrase, but there's a lot of stuff in that. You know, for us to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom, how do you do that if you don't know what Christ's kingdom looks like? The way that we know what Christ's kingdom looks like is we have to be in God's presence. We have to embrace the Father. We have to be with Him and know Him. That's how we declare and demonstrate. It's through that intimacy that we spend with Him. So today... I want to look at a, a few passages from Matthew chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible or your, your phone app or whatever you want to turn to and, and look at that, it'll also be on the screen. But we're going to be looking at quite a bit through Matthew 6. Um, this is a, a fantastic passage. Now, Matthew 6 comes in the middle of what we commonly call uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And that's three chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, chapter five starts with a really familiar passage of the Beatitudes. You know, you, you're probably really familiar with that. And he goes through all that, which is just brilliant. And then Jesus goes into chapter six. And in chapter six, he's talking about these wonderful things. He talks about uh, being generous. How, how do you give? And how do you, how do you be generous? How to pray? How to fast? And he talks about worry. And, uh, 
it, it's just a, a, a really powerful bit in the middle of this whole message that he does the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, it's important, I, I've been doing my master's degree and I just did hermeneutics and I've done some other, other classes and you know, it's really important many times, we, we look at passages and we just read one scripture and go, whoa, that's what it means. But it's really important sometimes to, to get the bigger picture and to read before and after and this is why I bring this up. And so I encourage you this week, go read chapter five, six and seven all together because that is actually the message that Jesus is giving and we're just kind of talking about the middle bit today. Um, and that you get this broader idea. But we're looking at most of chapter six today because even in that, Jesus elaborates on things that he says in the beginning of it and he elaborates more as he goes on. I just wanna start with that familiar, the Lord's Prayer. We've all heard it. You could probably quote it with me right now, right? That starts in Matthew chapter six and verse nine. Let's read that together. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this is the prayer that Jesus teaches, right? This is the model prayer. The disciples go, how do we pray Jesus? This is how you do it. And it's very simple. It's not big, long prayer. It's not very wordy. Um, but it's, it's very solemn, and it's very powerful, and it's very intentional in the things that Jesus prays. But I want you to just notice, how does Jesus start? If he's teaching them, this is how you pray. Where does he start? He starts with our Father. His focus and his perspective starts in the right place. His focus is on God. He, he sets their perspective on the Father. And you know, for us, when we pray, this is a really important key, I think. We have to set our perspective on God. We have to raise our perspective from ourselves and our needs and our sin and our shame and instead put that focus on God and His purposes. This is what Jesus teaches. When you pray, say it like this. Our Father. Immediately, where's our focus? It's not down on me, it's up on Him. See, to pray in God's presence requires us to become aware of His presence by giving Him our attention. I don't know if you've ever had conversations with someone, but they're not listening. Right? You're trying to express something and they're just, they're just off on their own tangent. They're just saying their own thing and they're just focused on whatever it is they want to say. You ever had those conversations? I think God feels that way many times when we pray. We go, dear God, and he goes, I'm listening. And then we just go off on our tangent. And, and he's going, what? Uh, 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 but maybe, and we're just, because our focus is on us. So see, heavenly prayer is the type of prayer that's not focused on ourselves or our problems or our needs, but it's an intentionality just to be with God. Now please hear me. I'm not saying that it's wrong to, give, to pray and ask God for your needs. He actually wants us to do that. That's part of it, okay? I'm not saying that's a bad prayer or it's a wrong kind of prayer. I'm just saying for this type of prayer, this is different. There's definitely times where that's very valid, and in fact, we 
You know, many, we need God. We can't, we can't do it on our own. So I'm not saying be independent and don't ever ask God for anything. But this is a different type of prayer. It's just like we have different kinds of conversations. This is a, a prayer that focuses on Him. And see, heavenly prayer enables us to align ourselves with God's reality in heaven, right? It goes on. Our Father who's in heaven, it helps us to start to align ourselves with heaven's purposes and heaven's reality, which, as you probably know, looks very different to our reality, right? God wants us to seek his kingdom first. So if we seek him first, before we start to address our needs, this is the type of thing I'm talking about. In fact, Jesus talks about this, as I said, later on in chapter 6. So if you move down to verse 33, it says this, another familiar passage. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now you might go, what are all the things? (laughs) Pop back up to verse 25. It says, therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Some passages or some translations say, can you add an inch to your height, you know, just by worrying? No. Why do you worry about clothes? This is verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then he goes to verse 33, which we read before. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all that stuff we just talked about, God's going to do that. Why? Because he already knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I mean, this is, this is amazing. See, when we pray in this way, our perspective submits to God's perspective. When we seek his kingdom first, our perspective, the things that we come with, starts to submit and lay down at the feet of Jesus so that we can start to take on his perspective. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Our perspective is usually occupied with food and clothing and paying the bills, and the mortgage, and soccer games, and all this stuff, right? Isn't that the things that we pray about? I mean, we did a poll at the beginning. Did you pray about work? Yep, raise my hand. Did you pray about your family? Yep. I know. Look, I'm the Life Center pastor. People come and share the stuff going on in their life that they don't tell everybody else. I know the stuff that goes on in people's lives. I know the worries. I know the burdens. I know the anxieties. I know the difficulties. And those are generally what we pray about. And not not even those big heavy things. Many times it's like, God, just help me get through this day. (laughs) Sometimes it's the really simple prayer of help. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
Those are the things that we pray about most often. And those are the exact things that Jesus just said, don't worry about those things. Seek me first. And those will be added. We'll take care of that. I'll work on that. You know, many times we bow our heads to pray. That's a, a big thing. That's not, there's not like a scriptural reference for bowing your head and closing your eyes. Like, you know, it's not like the 11th commandment. Thou must bow your head to clo- and close all eyes to pray. It's just a practice we do. But think about this. When we bow our heads to, to pray to God, and we look here. I want you to just do it. Look, bow your head. But leave your eyes open. Who do you see? Who do you see? You see yourself. We're looking at me. That's where the perspective ends up being. I'm not against bowing heads and closing eyes and all that. But what I, my point is, many times when we, when we start to pray, our perspective starts here. This is where we start. God's saying, lift your head up. If you want to have a greater experience of God's presence in your life, you have to change your perspective. I'm speaking really, this is, this is true. I hear quite often, I just don't sense God in my life. I can't hear from God. I read his word and I get bored or I fall asleep or it, it's meaningless. It just seems like blubber on the page. If you want to start having more of God's presence in your life, you have to change your perspective. And, you know, beyond that, if you want your life to make a difference, you know, we have some amazing people here. I'm always blown away by the different initiatives and missions and just ways people are serving. I mean, stuff within the church, stuff that's just personal initiatives that's just out there. Like, go and have a conversation over coffee and just find out what people are doing. And it blows me away how many people are doing something for God. It's amazing. We want to make a difference. You guys are amazing. You, you are wonderful people. You do want to make a difference in the world, but if you want it to see God's kingdom take control of our world, we must change our perspective as well. You know, we have to lift our heads up. And this lifting of heads, it reminded me of a psalm. It's not completely related, but, but it, I think it's appropriate. Psalm 24, verses 7 and 8, it says, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle? Now, I don't, I'm not going to bore you by, by breaking this all down and exegeting everything that this means. And I get that he's not talking about physical heads. It's actually talking about a door frame. I get it. But it just, God brought me to this. We have to lift our heads, right? If we're here, we've got to lift our heads. Why? So that God can come in. So that God can come into our perspective. God can come into this. F.B. Meyer says, this psalm is accomplished in us when Jesus enters our hearts as a king to reign, as our king to reign. And it will have its full realization when the earth and its population welcome him as its Lord. By placing our focus on God, it allows his kingdom to reign in us firstly, and then that flows out into our world. You want to change the world? Let God change you first. We talk about this all time, that vision statement, right? Releasing empowered people. We want to send people out to change the world. But we've got to be changed first by embracing the Father's presence. And let me let you in on something that's wonderful. You know, uh, 
Joe, uh, last week, he very eloquently, I thought, again, being a theology student right now, he went basically through the entire Bible in about 10 minutes. He just gave you a boom, 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 and then this, and then this. Did you guys catch, catch that? I was really impressed. I thought it was really awesome. Just me. Okay. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Love you, man. Um, but he went through this, but the, the thing that came out of that is, you know, God's presence in, the, in this realm used to be contained in a tent and then later in a tabernacle. But since what Jesus did on the cross, God's presence isn't kind of located in that place anymore. It's in us. You know, the Israelites, if they wanted to be in God's presence, they had to go, honey, I'm going down to the tabernacle, going to be in God's presence. They had to go to a place to be in God's manifest presence. We carry God's manifest presence in us. Wherever you go, God is in you. God is with you. We don't have to go to a place. Do you know what? You don't even have to come here on a Sunday to be in God's presence. Please still do. <laughs> and bring your friends. <laughs> um, but we don't, God's not isolated in some place that we have to go to Him anymore. He's, he's with us. How incredible is that? See, the veil, when Christ died, the veil was torn that separated us from God's presence. Even back in, in Israel's day, it wasn't everybody that got to go in God's presence. It wasn't even all the priests. It was only like the special, special priest. And they only got to do it like once in a while. And yet we can do that anytime we want. We can be in God's presence. You know, as we change our perspective to place God first, our lives become the offering upon the altar of our heart. Um, Joe brought this little term up, and I'm going to repeat it because I thought it was great. We become temple people, right? That's what I mean by God is in us. We are walking, talking temples of God. Wherever we go, God's with us. But it all relies on this perspective. Where is your perspective at? Is it on the big problem that you're facing right now? Or is it on the God who has the answers, who has the provision, who has the power to resolve whatever that is? So how do we cultivate this perspective? Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. How do we cultivate perspective of God and not us? You've got to be still. And this is where I go from preaching and start meddling. Because I know, how difficult is it to be still? It's easier said than done. Life is so busy. Life is cluttered. Life is complicated. And for us to kind of take a step away and sit before God and be still is really hard. It's really hard. You know, from Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I'm God. If you read the verses prior to that, it's a really interesting passage. It talks about earthquakes and battles and wars and chaos and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And that's how he, he, he ends that. It's next to the last couple of verses of that passage. Despite all that stuff, be still and know that I'm God. And then verse 11 just as a comfort, says the Lord Almighty is with us. See, if we're going to gain heaven's perspective and know the realities of heaven, 
we must quiet ourselves and make space to be still before God. You know, as we wait in his presence, we become aware of his purposes. And it's God's presence in our lives that shifts our focus, our prayers, the things that are on our heart from ourselves to his perspective. It's that seek first mentality. But you know, as a society, we've forgotten how to be still. I'm a bit of a people watcher. I love at times, you know, if you're at the mall or you're in some public place, uh, if I have a chance and I can just sit down and I'm not needing to do something, I like to just watch people. Um, And the thing I've noticed is we are never still. And we are never um, in a place where we we are not letting ourselves just be distracted or entertained or um, uh, stimulated by something. You know, if, if you're sitting on the bus stop waiting for a bus, not a whole lot to do, but people are always on their phone. I just saw uh, a beach. You know, I think in, in America they're actually starting to outlaw mobile phones on the beach because moms are taking kids to the beach and they're on their phone and not watching the kids and the kids are getting in trouble in the surf. So I saw this article where firemen are actually walking along the beach and just taking the mobile phones out of their hands. But think about it. How often do you find a place where you can be still before God? If, if you have a moment to yourself, you are usually stimulating yourself in some way. You better check my status. I'm going to watch this TV show. I'm going to check the news. None of these things are bad or wrong. But we, you know, I see it, I see it in my children. My children do not know how to be bored. You know, I grew up, there were times where I was bored. My children have never learned how to be bored. Now they have not spontaneously combusted or anything, but they've, they've hinted that that's a possibility if they're not entertained in a matter of seconds. But I just want to encourage you. Think about it. I get it. Look, we all have busy lives. We all have busy lives. Where is that space that you have to sit and be still before God? I'll tell you this. If you don't put it into your calendar, your busy schedule, your to-do list, if you don't add it in there, it won't happen. If you're just waiting, hoping, oh, well, Wednesday at 2.35 p.m., I might, gonna, I might have some space, just suddenly, guess what? It's not going to happen. You've got to be still, and you've got to do it. You know, Jesus, he's our perfect example. He's our perfect model of, of Christian life, right? And Jesus, in Mark 1.35, tells us, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then John 5, 19, I think these two tie together. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. See, Jesus' eyes were always firmly fixed on the father. He would seek first God's kingdom. His perspective was not distracted by life. He knew who he was and that God was with him and he watched God and he partnered with him. You know, I've always wondered, was it in those times where Jesus went away that, that he, he was with the Father, was that where he learned what the Father was doing? 
I can just imagine some of those, those prayer times. Jesus going, you know, sharing and pouring out his heart to God and he's saying, the Pharisees are always persecuting me. They're always plotting to kill me. And God, Peter, man, Peter, he always says and does the wrong thing. He's always getting me in trouble. And what about the rest of the disciples? I explain these things so clearly and yet they don't get them, God. What is going on? Who are these guys that you've given me? I can imagine Jesus praying those prayers. But then I can also imagine God responding going, shh, be still my son. Remember, I'm God. You are my beloved son. I'm so pleased with you. Remember why you've come. Remember the joy that's set before you. And remember, I'm never going to leave you. And I can imagine Jesus going out of that. We've got to learn the art of listening. An easy and practical way, I think, to start to learn to do this, we, we practice this as a staff many times, is soaking prayer. And what is soaking prayer? It sounds kind of funny, sounds kind of weird. For the way we model it, and there are different ways you can model it, is basically we turn on some quiet worship music and we just rest before God. For you, soaking prayer might mean that you quietly read your word and you just go, God, I'm just going to continue to meditate over this passage. And you read a passage over and over. It might be something else. But the idea is that we're not coming to God with all of our problems and needs and whatever else. It's, God, I just want to be with you. I want to seek you first. What are you saying to me? What do you want me to know? Being there. Now, these are all great, but at some point, we've got to take action. Right? Jesus didn't just stay in that solitary place. He went out and did things. He did what the Father was doing. He didn't just know what the Father was doing. He did what the Father was doing. And part of this prayer is our words. Heavenly prayer is not just listening and watching. There comes a point where we move into action with God. And do you know, do you realize the words that you speak even casually have power, they have authority. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And you know, if you, you look at creation, you look at Genesis, God didn't labor to create everything, he spoke words. Everything, he just spoke those words, and it says it came to be. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke words, there's power and authority in words. Now, we cannot create in a natural way, a natural way like God did, okay? We don't have that authority. But your words have power to create atmospheres emotionally and spiritually in this world. Your words do have power. Your words do have authority, and they can create. You just can't create a tree. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. My youngest daughter, she's five. And she is a little personality. She's got, she's just really full of, she's always making us laugh. She's always got these funny things she says and, and all, but the thing that stands out about her to me is she's just full of this confidence. Now we are very affectionate with our children and very encouraging with our children. And I think probably out of the three of them, she is called on the most to this, maybe a little, a little bit too much. But we were recently uh, at, a, at a playground and you know, they have those big rope pyramids. And she was on there and there was a bigger boy on there. 
And whatever she was doing was kind of rocking it. And he was getting annoyed by this, right? Because he's trying to climb this thing. It's a little scary. And he turns around to her and he goes, stop it, you're annoying. Okay, big boy, little girl. You'd think that intimidate her. Nope. She just looks back, she goes, I'm not annoying, I am amazing. (laughs) Now, she already has gotten this idea and her words have power. She's speaking that over herself. If it was me, like I'm a different personality. If it was me, I would have taken on I'm annoying. You're right, I'm annoying. I'll get off the rope thing. Not her, no, I'm not annoying, I'm amazing. Words have power. See, when we pray for healing, like this is a church, we believe in in miraculous healing. We believe that at times God intervenes into our physical situation and brings healing. How does that work? I believe what it is when we pray and we say, arm be healed, What we are doing is agreeing to the perspective of heaven, to the reality of heaven where there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no death, there's no sorrow, and we're releasing the reality of heaven into the reality of earth. But it takes our words of agreement with that reality to do that. God can heal without us, doesn't need us, but yet he loves us so much he wants to include us. And so thus, when we go and we see we spend time with God, we see the reality of heaven, we know the Father's heart, then the things we pray will be His will. Things we pray will be His heart, His purposes, and thus they will be answered. How do I know this? 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. How do we know His will? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that Greek word there for abide is meno. And what, what that means is to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. That's what it means to abide. It's not a visit, it's not visiting the temple. Hey God, all right, now I'm going back to work. It's staying in that place with God and abiding. And as we abide, we learn his heart. We know his purposes. And then the things we pray will be his will and he will answer us. This is how it works. That's what heavenly prayer is. You know, it's it's a bit like an old married couple. You ever seen an old married couple who finish each other's sentences and sometimes their sandwiches? <laughs> right? They've been together so long that they know what the other one's gonna say before they say it. This is what abiding with God is like. Is that we spend so much time with him that we know, we know what he wants. We know his heart. We know the purposes he has. And then our prayers, the things that we say and the things that we speak out, become declarations of that. And that's where he answers and that's where things happen. So my challenge for us today, my challenge for you is to set aside a time during this week to start to practice what I'm calling heavenly prayer. 
As I said before, if you don't write it into your calendar, if you don't set a reminder on your phone, it's not going to happen. It won't happen. I know. So it's going to take planning and intentionality. As you go into these times where you're waiting on the Lord, I just want to encourage you, don't come with a list of needs and requests, but instead just come open for what God wants to say or do in you. Now you might think, this is a waste of time. I'm just sitting here. I could be doing this and this and this and this. I promise you, if you will do this, you will find this is the most profitable time of your week. This will be the time of your week where you find the most answers and the most (laughs) empowerment, whatever it is that you need for the week to do all the other stuff that's on your brain. If you spend this time with God, those things are going to happen. Seek first his kingdom. All those other things get, get taken care of. While you're there with him, just go, God, what do you want to say to me? Are there areas of my life that you're already working in that I just haven't noticed? Maybe in these times, maybe people have given you a prophetic word or something and you haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Maybe it's time to take that off the shelf, dust it off and go, God, was this real? Was this really what you were saying to me? How do I action this, God? How do I partner with you to see this come to to being? What do you have to say about it? And I would finally, I would encourage you to write down what you feel God is saying to you this week. And this is a practice that, that I've been doing for a long, long time. The way that I pray actually in my real sort of personal prayers with God, I have a book and I literally write out my prayers. Dear Jesus, you know, and I literally write it all out. And I ask him questions and I listen for his responses and I write those in. Why would we do this? I think for me at least, it starts to be a record of what God has done. It starts to be a record of of his his answers to my prayers, to him working in my life. And it's, it's a brilliant thing. Maybe you need to just keep a Bible with you this week. Maybe that's just part of it. God may want to speak to you in the middle of lunch. Just have a Bible. You know, God speaks to us in lots of different ways. So keep a Bible with you. In fact, uh, in your notes, there's a step-by-step sort of order of how to start practicing heavenly prayer if you want to look at that. But would you now just stand with me? I just want to pray for you. As I say, I know life is full of stuff. And sometimes we have to let go of things to be able to take on something new. So today, if you've come and your mind and your heart is just full of clutter, you're just full of all this stuff going on, and you go, I've got no space to listen to God's voice. I've got too many other voices going on. I've got too much to hold. I can't take on anything else. I just wanted to pray with you to do a bit of an exchange. Would you be willing to do that? So why don't you close your eyes. I'm just going to, you can pray this with me in your heart. Lord, I just hand over to you now all those things that, that are cluttering my life, those things I'm holding on to, those things I'm worrying about, the concerns that uh, just are on the front of my mind today, God. 
those things that just take up so much space in my life. Lord, I, I just gather those things up now. And Lord, I just lay them before you. You might even want to just open your hands just as, a, as an act of obedience and faith. Just say, I'm just laying this out. So God, I just give these things to you now. And in exchange, Lord, I just ask that you would speak to me. That I would hear your vo voice clearly. That I would enter into your presence and become aware of your presence with me. That the things I leave with today are from you and not of the world. God, I just ask that your kingdom and your will come and be done in my life and in my world as they are in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.